Hello and welcome back to Commodity Conversations by the team at Mercado, the podcast where we aim to keep you up to date with what's driving grain, livestock and fibre markets and provide some insight into what's ahead. My name's Olivia Agar. Thanks for joining me today and listening in and happy National Ag Day. It feels like a real time to celebrate it this year. We're certainly in a much better position now than we were 12 months ago with some great crops coming in, many looking to rebuild herds and flocks. So even though it's been a challenging year, it seems to have definitely shone some light on the agriculture industry and it's a pretty exciting time to be a part of it especially in the field we're in providing market insights because there is plenty of exciting things to talk about. And today we're going to talk about one of those really interesting things and it's something we've been watching closely in the sheep meat market and that's the lamb and mutton price relationship and why we're seeing such strong demand for mutton. The other focus for today isn't quite in the spirit of Ag Day because we're talking about our competitors, but bear with us. Adrian took a look at the South American cattle herd on Mercado this week, and it's one to keep an eye on. So Robert and Adrian are here for today's episode. I'll leave you in their trusted hands right after this mention for today's podcast sponsor. Have you ever had that feeling in your tummy when you haven't eaten all day and it's just rumbling and grumbling? Then you go to the fridge and darn it, there's nothing in it. Well, here's the key to beating the empty fridge blues. Be prepared. Think ahead. What should I have this week? Steak? Lamb? Why not head over to Cleaver's Organics website and check out their range of certified organic beef, lamb and chicken products. Order online for home delivery. What else have they got here? Organic beef jerky? Yeah, I wouldn't mind trying that. Cleaver's Organic meats come from Aussie farming families. Cleaver's Organics. From families to families. Thanks for sponsoring our podcast this week and don't forget to check them out. Now back to the latest agricultural market trends from the team at Mercado. Thanks, Olivia. Thanks for the intro. And today um, it is good to be talking with Adrian and we're going to talk about probably a couple of topics that are just not really on the mainstream for what we usually talk about. Um, Adrian, we'll come to you in a minute and, and we'll talk about South America. But I noted today that, uh, or this week, that MLA have um, put out a, one of their um, market articles and it talks about the lamb and mutton price relationship. And it's a really interesting situation because at the moment we're seeing mutton uh, nationally is just 15% below the price of lamb and that's much higher than the five-year average of a 32% discount. In fact, I had a look, Adrian, at some numbers just before we came on here and uh, the last 10 years, mutton has averaged almost 50% of the price of lamb, so half the price. So to see it sitting at these levels is quite extraordinary. And there's a, there's a fair bit behind it, and people who have followed Mercado will know that we sort of picked up on this earlier, and we had a look at why mutton was, was so much in demand. As I've said before, I remember catching up with a guy in New Zealand, and uh, he said to me, look, you know, my old views are making almost as much as my trade lambs, um, and remembering in New Zealand the trade lambs aren't quite as heavy as ours, but uh, he said, don't they understand that the lamb is the better product? Well, in fact, where this mutton is going is um, it's going to uh, mainly to China and to Asian uh, destinations. And for the, it just so suits their style of cooking. 
And so we're seeing that the demand for this product has really grown and it grew, it actually grew up at a time when we were slaughtering big numbers. So we were slaughtering a lot of animals um, because of the drought. A lot of ewes were being slaughtered and the sheep flock was being decimated because of the drought. And at the same time, obviously because we were slaughtering a lot, but at the same time, people were getting a taste for this product. And so it's now, uh, it has almost its own, um, its own market, not, not tied in with lamb as much as it used to be. And of course, uh, it, that means that we're, when we've got uh, suppliers down, I think this year uh, on, your, on Liv's report today, um, supply year on year change for the week of East Coast lamb uh, sheep slaughter is minus 45%. So we're slaughtering just over half what we did last year. Uh, so no wonder the price is taking off. But um, it's, it's going to be something that we think will continue well into the future because the, the markets are there. Um, we know all about COVID and the impact that's having on the world economy, but we know that those markets for um, food are there. China is coming back strongly or appears to be coming back strongly. And if that's the case, then the demand for this product is going to be um, quite strong. And we're not going to see any growth in numbers. And today I was talking to uh, some clients in South Australia. You know, they're doing the numbers on looking at buying some old ewes, some ewes that were perhaps destined for the meatworks, but they're saying, well, hang on, perhaps we can buy them, um, put a ram with them, get some lambs next year, and then sell them. And if the demand for mutton stays strong and the seasonal conditions stay good, then they'll be turning off an animal, a surplus sheep, uh, that will be very valuable. Um, and as we know, we've got a, a fairly optimistic outlook about lamb. So I think, um, I think that looks pretty good. But while we're talking about that, Adrian, um, there's another topic that came up and you had a look at it. And it's, uh, it's the competitors to Australian beef worldwide. And uh, one, of the, one, of the guys, one of the groups of countries who's got a big herd is those countries down in South America, Adrian? What, what were you seeing down there? Well, down in South America, um, there's, there's a huge herd down there at the moment, Rob, and um, there has been for a, for a long time. But a lot of that's been locked up essentially by um, issues with quality and uh, animal health. Um, so there's been foot and mouth disease down there. There's a lack of traceability. And, and also there's been um, mad cow disease um, scares over the years as well um, in South America. But I, I guess at the end of the day, um, they've got 310 million head or more just in the top three countries there, which is Brazil, Argentina and Uruguay. And particularly in, in, the, in the case of Brazil, like so Brazil's herd has absolutely exploded over the last 20 years. So it started out at 150 million um, back in 2000. Um, it's, and you know, sitting at the 250 odd mark now. So, um, and during that time, its exports have also gone up 500%. I guess the, 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 the interesting thing about, um, about the South American situation is that certain markets, I guess, have opened up a little bit more to them over the last little while. And particularly, um, their exports to China in particular have been quite strong. So just this year, 75% of Argentine beef is expected to um, expected go to um, China. Brazil and Uruguay are much different. So Yeah, so it's all happening, isn't it, um, with that growth in the herd down there. We know that China is, is particular about 
you know, uh, um, biosecurity, et cetera. It's, does this indicate that those countries are sort of getting their act together or is it more the fact that China, the demand out of China is just meaning that they've got to be taking beef from wherever they can get it? I think it's probably a little bit more of the latter, Rob, especially recently. Um, I guess China's been just as hard on uh, on South America as it has here in terms of sort of COVID contamination as well. They've shut down processes in uh, in Brazil and in other South American countries in terms of uh, their export licenses. But um, in general, I guess, especially since the... Uh, the African swine fever uh, issue that occurred a couple of years ago, there's just been such a huge uh, protein deficit in China. They've got to be able to get it from somewhere. And the cheapest place is, at the end of the day, is South America. Well, it's funny how in our discussions, whether it be talking about grain or uh, red meats in the last 12 months, it, it generally gravitates back to the African swine fever and, and the impact it had mainly in China. We, we know that that impact was more widespread than China, but China seems to be the country that has really had the capacity and the, uh, and the appetite, if you like, pardon the pun, but the appetite to go and, and try and replace that protein. We know though also, though, that uh, I, think, I think you might have reported or we, we put out something this week that the pig herd is recovering surprisingly quickly in China, according to official reports, I guess you could call them that, Adrian. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. I guess the latest official report, I think, says it was something around about the 80% mark um, as of the last figure that came out of the Chinese ministry uh, of where we were compared to um, pre-ASF, which is pretty strong. And they've put on a lot of uh, additional, um, I guess, uh, pig production facilities in, in the last little while since the ASF has settled down there as well. So they've been ramping up their production significantly. They've been importing uh, genetics from, um, from Europe and other countries to try and bolster their herd. And their numbers have swelled exponentially um, in the last six to nine months. I mean, it seems very fortuitous for Australian products that, you know, that demand kicked in before COVID and then it carried through the COVID issue. You know, so we've seen our commodity prices hold pretty strong. It's going to be interesting that uh, there's no doubt China aims to be more self-sufficient in this area if they can. So if that happens, will we see a reversion of this demand for red meat or, uh, you know, are the low stock numbers and not just, you know, low stock numbers in Australia and low stock numbers in some other countries going to carry it through? What's your, what's your take on all that? I don't necessarily think so. Um, while the, the prevalence of pork will improve, I guess, as they, as they rebuild their, hill, their herd and their production levels, I guess as a result of this ASF issue and I guess the shortage of, of, of alternative meats in, uh, in China, people have been forced to cook with different meats, cook at home because of, because of COVID. Um, and I think that might actually flow through to improved demand for red meat in China uh, ongoing. And I guess we've seen other evidence of, of, the, of the home cook um, and, um, and COVID impact in other countries like the US, for example, where we've seen a lot more reports of Americans eating a lot more lamb. We've seen that translate through to the improved export numbers that we've seen going from Australia into, into the US as a result. It's also um, worth noting that, um, again, according to official Chinese figures, that 
the GDP growth this year is going to be quite extraordinary, considering that nearly every other country in the world is, is, is contracting their GDP growth as a result of COVID. China is forecasting that they'll actually grow again. And we know that when economies grow and when there's more spending capacity, there is an appetite to go and purchase more red meat. And that, that goes up exponentially as the incomes go up. So we may, you may be right, we may see that um, even though the African swine fever knocked to the China herd recovers quicker than what we perhaps expected that the demand for red meat and and of course remembering that we've got tight supplies in Australia for, for a couple of years yet the demand for red meat might remain strong just on that African swine fever recovery Adrian um, we were looking at the, and this ties into a grain story I guess but we were looking at reduced demand of about 70 million tonnes of grain on the back of those pigs that were uh, euthanized. I mean, that's going to kick back in pretty quickly and it could help explain why China is so strongly buying um, soybean, corn, etc., out of the US. It's not just the trade deal, I don't think, Rob. Um, they genuinely need these supplies of, of, uh, of feed grains going in. And I guess if you look at the prices that, uh, that are in, in China at the moment for grains, they're in some cases multiples of, of the world price. Uh, there's a severe shortage in China at the moment. So that makes it interesting for everybody else who's consuming grains because uh, they've, got to, they've got to either step up now and compete with China or hope that China satisfies their needs sooner rather than later and, and take some of the pressure off demand. But whatever it is, uh, it always pointers point to not only explaining the, um, the quite, the, or the very good conditions Australian farmers have got in terms of commodity markets at the moment, um, but it also does give some optimism to what's ahead. And so um, I know that, um, you know, we've got a lot of interest from uh, our clients who are, who are trying to actually figure out where do these markets go? What are the strategies I can put in place? Well, um, you know, we love looking at them too. We love trying to assess data. So it's been great talking to you, Adrian. And uh, no doubt we'll come back again next week and probably say it's been another interesting week in agriculture. Thank you, Rob. Thanks so much, Rob and Adrian, for today's conversation and Dave for production. Listeners, have a great Ag Day. If you'd like any more detailed analysis from what we've spoken about on the podcast today, just jump on the Mercado website and you can take out a premium subscription there so that you've got full access to our content. That'll also give you access to our analysts if you have other bespoke questions or research ideas and topics that you'd like us to take a look at. You can send us an email or give us a call and we can get our analysts to take a look at those. Until next time, though, have a great and safe weekend. This podcast was brought to you by the team at Mercado. Audio production by David Myers. Thanks for listening in and have a great weekend.